You are listening to the Stoic Solutions Podcast, practical wisdom for everyday life. I'm Justin Vakula, and this is episode 60, Steve Carafit of the Sunday Stoic Podcast. We talk about how Stoicism can help us overcome adversity, including grief and illness, the appeal of Stoicism to non-religious people, music, and regret. We also talk about Steve's upbringing on a family farm and ethical considerations toward animals in one's diet. Steve is originally from rural Western Ohio, where his family still farms the land his great-grandfather worked. Steve has an associate's degree in recreation and wildlife from Hawking College, a BS in field biology and environmental studies certificate from Ohio University, and an MS in systematics and evolution from the University of Alberta. He is currently a lecturer in the biology department at the University of Central Arkansas and uploads episodes of the Sunday Stoic podcast. Visit my website at stoicsolutionspodcast.com, where you can connect with me on social media, find past episodes on many podcast platforms, and join my Discord chat server for interactive discussion. Support my work by becoming a donor through Patreon or PayPal to access special rewards, including the ability to have upcoming guests answer your questions, custom podcast episodes, and personalized one-on-one discussions. Share, comment, like, subscribe, and leave reviews to help support my efforts. Email me with your thoughts, justinvacula at gmail.com. On to today's discussion. All right. Thank you for joining me for discussion today. Thanks for having me on the show. So we get to do a cross cast as I was on your show, and now you're on mine to share your perspectives on stoicism. Yeah, this is meta podcasting. <laughs> and what was your story to stoicism? Well, I think it started in high school. Being a science nerd, I decided to take Latin rather than, you know, a useful language like Spanish or something. <laughs> I really loved not so much the grammar and the Latin, <laughs> but I really liked it when we'd pause and learn about history and mythology. And we learned a lot of really great stories in the Latin course uh, that have actually cropped up when reading uh, Seneca, for example. Uh, He'll talk about some character and how they relate to Stoicism, and I'll go, oh yeah, I remember that. That, That's actually cropped up, which has been handy, but I've always kind of liked the Greco-Roman kind of Hellenistic world, Mm -hmm. and uh, it started perhaps with my Latin class. Uh, About three years ago, I just felt like I needed a little more in my, my life, I guess you could say, some compass to help guide me in a in a direction that I wanted to go. And I started with a book called uh, Mindfulness, an eight-week plan for finding peace in a frantic world. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a a book on kind of Buddhist, you know, a Buddhist practice of mindfulness. It was was a secular Buddhism kind of a thing, a Western Buddhism. So I was doing that and found it helped somewhat. I may not be a natural meditator, but uh, I, I was doing it every day and it it was it was having some positive benefits and at the same time i also was enjoying more intellectual pursuits like uh watching ted talks and learning about how uh, the self works how uh, how to be happy as well as advancements in science and things like that so i kind of dubbed my sort of self improvement program self improvement sunday i would on sunday i would watch some ted talks and maybe read uh, read a little more and uh, reread the meditation book, something like that, as a way oh, to okay. kind of ground myself, kind of get ready for the week. Shortly thereafter, then I was they opened a new bookstore in the town where I live called Books a Million. Uh, Bam! 
We don't have a Barnes and Noble, but we have a Books a Million. I was uh, browsing around. My wife was looking at children's books uh, while I looked at the. I went over to the philosophy section to see if they had any Christopher Hitchens. I think, <laughs> mm-hmm. and look, I was really curious to see if uh, if a bookstore in Arkansas would carry, you know, Hitchens or Dawkins. <laughs> and while I was over there, I uh, saw this book called The Meditations by this guy named Marcus Aurelius. And I knew just the name. Guy, just some yeah, guy. Some dude, just some dude. <laughs> I knew the name, I think, from Latin class as well as from Gladiator, uh, the movie. I couldn't have told you where I had heard the name uh, at the time, but I knew the name. And I thumbed through it because I had just read that book on meditation. So I thought, well, that's interesting. Oh, the same it's, name. The universe yeah, has conspired. <laughs> yeah, serendipity. And I, I flipped through and saw these little piffy sayings and thought, huh, that's that's kind of cool. Being the cautious person that I am, I thought I'd go home and Google it and see what I could find out before I dropped the money on the book. So I went home and looked it up and then found out about stoicism while reading about the meditations. Mm-hmm. And, and that led me to William Irvin's book, A Guide to the Good Life. And luckily, my wife is a librarian and I find this book for me. She brought it home and my semester was ending. My uh, It was right around Christmas. And I read it cover to cover in like three days and went, ooh, I like this. <laughs> about this speaks to me a combination of self-improvement and reason all tied together <laughs> and then i uh, read the uh, meditations over my christmas break then followed that up with the enchiridion and then right about then it was january and my six-month-old son had to have surgery first of all i was already finding some benefits to the philosophy i was thinking you know the, the one of the more morbid at least if you don't fully understand it uh, sayings by epictetus i you know, looked at my son and thought, you are mortal. Uh, the surgery's coming up. You are mortal. I'm going to absorb every minute that I can with you. Yeah, I live in that moment. It was an outpatient surgery. It was not a major surgery, but they still had to knock him out with anesthesia and, you know, that can go oh. wrong. So I had, I, I was nervous. I, I followed Epictetus's advice. And then during the surgery, I sat with my wife in the waiting room and she had a book. And that's when I started to read uh, Musonius Rufus and found a lot of helpful things in there as well while he was undergoing the surgery. Mm-hmm. So I was eating all these different original texts up time. And then shortly thereafter, I picked up Massimo's book and Donald Robertson's book. Also took some of his courses online on uh, stoic resilience and things and putting all this together and, and then started podcast. All right. And you settled on stoicism after a journey of self-development or otherwise that's your primary focus now or your primary inspiration for a philosophy of life. Absolutely. Um, when I was younger, it was Catholicism that uh-huh. that provided that for me. But after studying a lot of evolution and things like that, I, I was seeking answers in a more secular fashion. Good. And you mentioned that, that you've come from atheist and skeptic circles, reading the works of Christopher Hitchens. And I see that many people from those circles come to Stoicism. Do you have any insights on that? While they do talk about the universe being reasonable, <laughs> full of reason and, and God and, and uh, Zeus and so on and so forth. They also talk a lot about human reason. Maybe we have to update some of their views of how the universe works to fit with our modern knowledge. But overall, there's a lot of good things to be said when you when you uh, compare modern secularism to what the Stoics to say. Right. We can take the parts of Stoicism mainly on ethics, right, and how to live a good life, but not necessarily go with a lot of their metaphysical assumptions. I think there's a, a beautiful elegance to their view of how the cosmos functioned. I just 
don't think there's evidence. Or at least the order and structure in the universe is they would perhaps call that God in a more pantheistic sense, or as Spinoza had thought of God. There are different interpretations that people make of the works, although there are specific things about Zeus, <laughs> yes, and talks about prayer, and that's something that you had mentioned, uh, praying like a Stoic. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I did an episode recently on praying like a Stoic, which I think you can sum it up by just saying help me to help myself would be the the Stoic way to pray. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't sit there and say, hey, could you give me a new car and could you help me win the lottery and (laughs) things like that or make sure my team wins the big game this weekend? The things that are okay to pray for from a Stoic perspective would be, can I be more courageous? Can you help me to be more courageous? Help me to to build up those things that are within my power. And uh, everything else is outside your power and shouldn't really be prayed for. In fact, Seneca often talks about it being almost like a curse to have someone pray for external on your behalf. Like, could you make my son rich and so on and so forth? Okay, well, what if the gods grant you that wish and suddenly you're you're rich? That doesn't make you a good person. In fact, it might drive you into being a bad person. Even in the works of Epictetus, there's a passage I remember about lamentations towards someone complaining about their nose running. Well, you have hands. You can use those, right? Use your hand to wipe your nose. Exactly. <laughs> in, the, in the hymn to Zeus, which is in the uh, Enchiridion, I think it stems from, oh, the second story stoic after Zeno, second or third stoic after Zeno. I'm, Chrysippus? I'm a, uh, perhaps Chrysippus. I don't know. I'm sure someone can email and correct me there. There was this prayer, I guess, that he came up with. It's there to remind you that, oh, Zeus, let me do your your will, because if I don't, I'll have to do it anyway, and I'll just be drug along <laughs> willingly, yeah. because I'm going to do it one way or another. I think that ties into that stoic cart. Are you familiar with the dog yeah, tied yeah. to the analogy? Sure. I think it's wrapped up in that that imagery uh the cart's going where it's going and you're a dog tied to the cart you might as well trot along behind it because if you don't keep up you'll just be drugged behind it Mm -hmm. and (laughs) right so to make the best of the situation is if you're going to struggle if you're going to complain that's not going to be the best way to go about things and in your case even when you had kin in the hospital as you mentioned you drew upon resources from Stoicism, a different kind of mindset rather than resorting to prayer or falling into a deep grief. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just, this is the way it is. There's no way around it. This is happening. How do we make the best of the current situation? And if something should go wrong, I want to know that I did the best that I could with what I had before that happened. Right, that's what's in our control. And we can still have that grief, we can still have that worry, but not to excess, right? We get this mischaracterization of stoicism as being a resignation or be emotionless, but we can recognize those thoughts, those feelings, and work with them. I know I read this somewhere, and I can't cite it, unfortunately, but the the proto-passions will flare up, like grief, but you don't want it to grow into a years and years long depression, grief that's out of control. You know, you'll have those sparks of grief or or maybe even anger, which is one that they're really worried about, but, Mm -hmm. but you can talk yourself out of that one hopefully pretty quickly. But when it comes to grief, it's only human to mourn those that you were, you were close to. Uh, The Stoics don't advocate that we become less human. They advocate that, that we become as human as possible, if you will. Do that, we apply reason to the situation and it's not reasonable to grieve forever. It's uh, your introduction to the podcast, Prudence, Prudentia. 
right? (laughs) If I'm saying that right, we'll have to go back to that Latin class. (laughs) It's interesting that you started the podcast rather than just keeping the information to yourself as so many people, I'm sure, have read the works of Marcus Aurelius, Epictetus, Seneca, but they're not out there creating content. They're not out there sharing the information. So what led you to share that information and to create a podcast that's pretty regular? It probably ties back to being a kid and having a, a tape recorder uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. recording my voice and going, this is the news and things like that, pretending I was on the radio or on TV, right. uh, doing noises and voices. I always enjoyed that. I don't know why. Part of my DNA, I guess. I hadn't done that for quite some time, but by the time I was in graduate school in Alberta, Canada in about 2005 or six, podcasts were a thing. I had not heard a podcast before that, but I got my first iPod around that time and uh, mm-hmm. was on iTunes and discovered podcasts. And I had downloaded a few and started listening. And kind of cool is kind of like kind of like how YouTube has the average individual to suddenly sort of be a TV star if anyone watches, right? In this way, you could could be on the radio, if you will, all on your own, democratized entertainment, if you will. YouTube killed the radio star. That's right. A little bit homesick, I guess, for Family Farm and my brother, because we had had an unexpected loss in the family, and suddenly my dad and brother had to maintain and and farm the family farm and take care of grandma and all, you know, complex family stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was there helping a little bit. I was never quite the hands-on farmer my brother and dad are, but I would help. Felt kind of bad being away, and I kind of missed some aspects of that and i started a podcast all about the family farm called the Carefoot farms podcast <laughs> and uh i would interview my brother would come on once in a while and talk about what was going on on the farm oh. and i'd talk growing up on the farm and and once again it didn't have a just a whole lot of downloads but it was funny even like with my podcast i don't setting the world on fire for downloads but those people who do download and contact me there's some sort of connection there right it it means something it might be a small subset of humanity but it means a lot to that who are listening Great. so i had the same thing with this podcast with that farm podcast i had people who liked it and and i did that for a while and and kind of gave it up when i moved back to the us after grad school and now i teach for a living and then I discovered Stoicism, and I thought, well, I I do like teaching, and the Stoicism thing seems really interesting, but I am not by any means a philosopher or an expert in Stoicism, but I know from teaching that the best way to learn something is to teach it because you have to keep on top of it. You immediately sound like you don't know what you're talking about if you don't know what you're talking about. So I thought, well, I'll start a podcast and see what happens. And to me, it's almost like the weekly journal uh, or the daily journal you're, a lot of Stoics do. I, I'm not great at keeping a daily journal, but I have been able to keep up with a, a weekly podcast at least so far. Right. And I think that's a strength of Stoicism anyway, that it's accessible to the public. It's beneficial that people are seeking this content and benefiting from it, not that it's just some ivory tower academic exercise that sometimes philosophy gets a bad reputation for. Oh, yeah. I I remember my environmental ethics course debating whether a tree had merit upon its own or because we place value upon it. And while that might be really important to understand in some circles, how do you use that to be a better person or (laughs) to live on Earth? Stoicism has a practicality about it that is uh, a little bit different than your modern, uh, most of your modern academic philosophies, I think. 
and from humble beginnings farming now to stoicism and surely there are some lessons that you've learned on the farm that would resonate with those interested in stoicism growing up on the farm was probably good training for stoicism of course i had no idea what stoicism was when i was uh going through this process but Mm -hmm. Some of the things you have to understand very quickly as a farmer is that there are some things in your power and most of them are not. (laughs) Just as uh, Epictetus started his works, right? Absolutely. So you get on your tractor and if it's a farm like ours, your tractor is older than the person sitting on it (laughs) by a long shot. Uh, Hopefully it doesn't break down. If it does, you have to fix it. If you do successfully get your crop in the ground, like my brother finished putting soybeans in, I think yesterday or this morning. Now, if it doesn't rain, he's out of luck. Your crops won't grow. If it rains too much, you're out of luck. Your crops won't grow. If a new insect pest or disease moves into the area and wipes out your field, you're out of luck. Uh (laughs) You've lost your income unless you have some kind of crop insurance to help cover it up. It also helped me to uh, learn to accept some discomfort and do hard work. Maybe that's why I'm not on the farm now because I'm like, I'll just go be a teacher. You can bail hay. Bye. (laughs) I will say it kind of spoiled me in a way. I'd still much rather stack hay in a hot hay mow than uh, go to the gym and lift weights in a in a gym I, or you know be out in a field doing work or shoveling grain or whatever it's a, it's a lot of work but it's one of those things where if you don't do it it doesn't get done so you do it and over time you develop a habit of working hard no matter what we had to cut firewood and split firewood to keep warm in the winter we would go out and you know like i said throw hay in the mow go feed the cows so on and so forth you're you're always busy doing something it also teaches you a lot even as a kid you know about life and death because it's a farm it wasn't just beans corn and wheat but we had cows pigs and chickens sometimes they all go on a truck and drive away and a little while later you get packages of beef back but a lot of times you did it yourself Uh, that reality comes home very quickly on how this works when you're doing it yourself but at the same time we're we were a small family farm, you're taught that you treat the animals well, you care for them, you make sure they have what they need. I've even, anyone's listened to my interview with Kai Whiting about the circles of concern. I even talked about making friends with a few on the farm over the years. A friend with a bull, for example, that neck scratched whenever I I came over. (laughs) Right. So it's that relationship, that understanding that you're part of a larger community rather than just being distant, right? And that's within Stoicism, there's this idea of cosmopolitanism, right? That here's the universe all the people within it, all of these systems, and there's a certain interdependence. Absolutely, and that extends to the critters you're caring for and those that are wild around you as well, uh, especially if you're following the sort of the modern stoic view that, that Kai is putting forth. In my case, I said on my podcast I released earlier this week, I, I'm a crappy stoic in that I am not a, a vegan or a vegetarian, although I have been eating more today. I had rice and beans for lunch. You know, I try to make it a point to cut back, but my family still raises cattle. And when you go home for Christmas, guess what you get for Christmas? A quarter of beef. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it, it's something you balance balance out. How do I want to live as stoically as possible? I might be, I might make moves Sonius Rufus a little upset, but I'll I have to live with my own ethics and morals in that sense. So. Right. Even Seneca's text, he mentioned about not getting involved in the practice of butchery and bloodshed. And we can eat and live a healthy life without consumption of animal products or at least reduce our impact. That might be a better way to go. You mentioned that on the farm, there wasn't all the chemicals being ingested. There wasn't the mass 
slaughter or more humane conditions, that's for Absolutely. sure. You know the pig, right? And uh, the only time they were ever injected with like antibiotics is if they were sick. So they were cared for as well as, as, well as possible. Right. So that, that was kind of the ethic of the farm was treat everything as well as possible. When it came to time to butcher something it wasn't like yeah i'm gonna kill a pig there was always a do you want to do it oh i don't want to do it we weren't callous individuals uh in this process so there was still there was a lot of humanity there but it's like this is why the pig is here <laughs> so th there was a lot of that as well so it's kind of an interesting dynamic right so some questions things that might give you pause and we could look upon the ancient tradition of stoicism to tackle some modern issues and see what insights the ancients had we won't see seneca authoring treatises on nuclear weapons for instance <laughs> but right there are these new challenges that might arise we can use their thoughts to inform our modern thinking in many ways and examine our lives Lives, right? The Stoics call for us questioning that which we find valuable, questioning our habits, questioning society, questioning everything. Yeah, that's one thing I really like about Stoicism is uh, deconstructing your own worldview and, and focusing on why it is you think this. So I personally think I should eat more plant matter and uh, I'm shifting that way. I, I haven't revolutionized my diet, but another reason for that is uh, the book uh, The Omnivore's Dilemma by uh, Michael Pollan is a good mm -hmm. read for anyone who's thinking about that. He says, eat mostly plants. He doesn't say you have to be full-on vegetarian, but our diet should probably be mostly plant-based. And uh, I, for one, am not a fan of factory farming. I've seen it. It, it happens around around me uh, back back in Ohio and unethical in terms of the when you're when you when you're raised to care for animals and then you see someone with a barn with a million chickens in, they can't care for each of those chickens. Those chickens right. are just enough to them and they never touch the grass, you know, and I'm not going to go on a big rant about that. But from my perspective, since I've moved to Arkansas, I've raised chickens in my yard. I never ate any of them. I just had them lay eggs and I, I use those. But uh, I, I do enjoy being connected to my food uh, as much as possible. I'm here with Steve from the Sunday Stoic Podcast. We're talking about Stoicism, his efforts, his applications of Stoic philosophy. You have several episodes in your archive. If you were to have people listen to just one episode, two episodes make an episode that would be released for the world to listen. What might be the key insights that you'd want people to understand about Stoicism? Uh, the key insights to Stoicism. One of the first things you should really focus on uh, or you should know is is the idea that, that we already mentioned, the idea that there are some things in your power and some things that are not. That's the one thing you hear uttered over and over and over again <laughs> mm -hmm. when we're talking about Stoicism. It is uh, an incredibly vital part of stoicism to to really hear and then internalize and it can take a while to actually internalize it to really accept that some of the things you worry about probably aren't really under your power and to let them go or at least put them on the back burner and not feel like a failure if they don't go the way you wanted them to go that would be one of the the take home you know it's basically line one of the uh, enchiridion start thinking about the things that are controllable and things that are not controllable and start focusing on the things that you can deal with it seems like a lot of our anxieties and fears and despair center around things that are outside of our control if we are able to reorient and focus on things that are or say what productive thing can i do about this what is a better perspective to take what can i do yeah, one thing you can do is just cut back on your consumption of the news. 
<laughs> you may be able to affect some things with a protest or a letter writing campaign. I'm not saying you can't have an influence, but you can get riled up and angry too, if you know, depending on your political persuasion based on what you're seeing on the news as well. And in fact, I think no matter what side you're on, you're going to get riled up and angry. Right. There appears to be a new moral outrage each day, right? These uh, online groups of people, hashtags, lamentations. I love that word, lamentations. They just go on and on and on if you're really looking for some reason to be upset or this disaster happened in the world, this thing is going wrong. It could be very easy to be in that state. But what about all the positive things going on? We might happen to overlook that and overly focus on the negative. And if you want to have the most impact on your life right away, I think a good thing to focus on are the psychological aspects of stoicism at first. So for me, stoicism was not about trying to get ahead at work or building my own business empire or whatever. It was about trying to be contented and live a good life and be the best person that I could be. So the dichotomy of control comes into that contentment issue. It's pretty straightforward there. You're not going to be content if you're always chasing after things that you can't reach or you're chasing after things that have no end like i want to be rich oh i'm pretty wealthy but i want to be more rich Ooh, now i want to be more rich you know there's no end to that horizon you sail closer and closer the horizon <laughs> keeps getting further further away right i think seneca puts it the uh what you thought was the top of the ladder is just another rung <laughs> you you're like hey i made it then you're like oh i could go higher there's other people still above me i guess i should climb higher and so you don't get that contentment that you might otherwise have worked on that i think a, a deeper dive can be taken there's much more to a life philosophy of course than that self-help component so on a podcast like yours or mine or a book on modern stoicism we often get snippets and soundbite uh, marcus aurelius said you know and then like three lines and then you move on but if you want to get a feel for what they were really saying you should really look at it as a whole and dive deeper and and uh, luckily you can read through the works of Marcus Aurelius in a day or two and the same thing with the Enchiridion it might take a little longer with the uh, letters from a Stoic by Seneca for example or the discourses of Epictetus but you can get mm -hmm. a lot of the primary text pretty quickly and yeah, really it. accessible and uh, our lovely book that we both got from Ward Farnsworth categorizes yeah. a lot of that information really well. He put together a great book where once again it's snippets of what they had to say but you get uh, several snippets for any particular topic so you can see what Seneca had to say about it, Marcus Aurelius, and then even others who were not necessarily Stoics but had a Stoic viewpoint, uh, you can see what they had to say about it as well. Montagna. Yes. Montagna. <laughs> yeah, now I'm like, oh, I got to read him too. Like, how big is this library? Ah, it's just a rung. It's just a rung. You see. It's another rung in the ladder. There's no <laughs> end. It also warns us to our library small and be really well acquainted with few authors. And that can be that can be a challenge. <laughs> lots, lots of information out there. A wonderful thing in the modern age. No reason to say, I'm bored. There's nothing to do. Right? Right. I, oh. I've heard this said before. I might use it. Uh, when I when my child is a little older and telling me he's bored, this probably sounds a little mean though. But I've heard I've heard it's effective if a child says I'm bored. You can say you're not bored. You're boring. Uh, it's like a like, George Carlin you, thing. Huh? <laughs> right. If you're bored, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> right. Or or so they're not using they're not using their words well. Maybe they feel overwhelmed or exhausted. Right, right, exactly. They're yeah. looking for something new. I don't know. I don't know. But there's a stick. There's a book, 
find something to do. <laughs> Maybe both at the same time. You could use That's a stick right. as a bookmark. Yeah. Hey, I, I've heard of bacon being found in books and libraries before. So. Oh, so. wow. It, you had a good point on this topic of desire. It's a common theme in Stoicism. What must be traded for what? If we're going to focus ourselves on working all these very long hours in a job we don't like for all these things that we don't quite need, all these expenses in life, the fine dining, a lot of this lavishness that we could really trim the fat of in our lives. Maybe we could be more content and be in better shape, have more time for ourselves. Really admire some friends of the family that have now passed away, but they were, they knew my great grandpa. This is how they were they were pretty old <laughs> and uh they they were immigrants from uh, from europe or at least their parents were made it all the way into their 90s and seemed to be pretty content and happy with each other's company and that's kind of something i kind of envious of instead of being like "Ooh, i need to i need to get that new iphone 20 and uh <laughs> like i don't know i should get a newer one and you know just pursuing all of these things that i could probably do without Right. We have this idea of happiness being these short-lived pleasures and a luxury lifestyle, but the Stoics offer a much different perspective on happiness. Of course, happiness from a Stoic perspective is not the primary goal, as we as we know. I'm sure your listeners know as well. But it's kind of a happy side effect. Happiness, from my view, uh, as I've interpreted my readings of Stoicism, is that contented nature, knowing that you have applied reason to your life, you have everything you need, and your wants are few, and they're all fulfilled, and uh, that death doesn't really scare you that much, you're, you're good to go, basically. You're, you're not freaked out about the idea of dying, and you're not freaked out about the idea of losing everything you have. Even if you're rich, you're not worried about it. If, if you're poor, you might prefer to have a little more money, but you're doing the best you can with what you got and being as contented as possible. Good. Reduce desires, reorient and live a happier, more content life. Oh, there's that word happier, right? A little <laughs> more content life. The happy man is accepting, right? There's a sense of gratitude as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. In fact, on our wall at home, uh, this is going to be terrible. I can't even quote myself, but uh, <laughs> my wife and I got together and thought about what would be our own list of, let's just say, call them virtues that we could hang on the wall rather than saying grace like I was raised to, you know, to do in the, in the Catholic sense. Uh, we could have a family motto, let's say, and it's may we be humble, curious, kind, and thankful. I, I have those a little out of, out of whack, but that's essentially the, the gist of what, what we have on the wall. Uh, I don't have it <laughs> memorized yet because our goal is when our son's growing up, we'll, we'll, we'll recite it every day, and I expect I'll internalize it at that point. Uh, <laughs> thankful, hum thankful, humble, curious, and kind. Ah, uh, there it is. Thankful, humble, curious, and kind. And uh, I think those relate to one or more of the uh, the Stoic virtues, which all are, of them, <laughs> uh, which are the the Stoic virtues are big umbrellas that can hold a whole lot of other sub virtues. I think within their grasp and. Some people say, well, there's only four virtues. That's not enough. Well, okay, read Ben Franklin's book. Ben Franklin says he wasn't happy with a couple of virtues, so he broke them down into a whole giant list of... We put together as a family as a way just to remind ourselves of our own values, of what we think we need to be happy. To each individual, it may be slightly different, but I think it's going to boil down to most of those four virtues, uh... You know, being being uh, courageous is one that, uh, or or if you you can substitute the word fortitude, 
and remember that you know you might think of it differently uh, if you're if you have fortitude maybe courage and fortitude seem to have different meanings in my mind slightly like uh, if i'm putting up with something that's kind of a pain in the butt but i'm willing to work through it i would call that fortitude more than courage perhaps but uh that's a virtue just being willing to work on something even if it gets tough and uh we have fortitude we we have justice and that's one that has been coming up a lot as we've already said with kai uh, it's it's not just about justice in the courtroom but it's about living well helping someone cross the street or making sure an entire nation is treating a particular group of people correctly right it's a giant umbrella uh for for a lot of these virtues and i think some uh, views of the stoicism would be uh, let's not worry about global issues it's all practical things you can do in your own life and the sphere of those that you see every day but I think it's a thing to consider how this could uh, be expanded to the, the world at large right it's more than just the focus on the self there are many many applications and some applications might lie in even music as you integrate music into your podcast and life through playing guitar I make noise on stringed instruments, yes. <laughs> Some noodling. I started playing guitar when I was 19, so probably too late to be any good. Good guitars start when they're quite young, I'm afraid. But but I can strum and make some noise and uh i'll call what i do singing but you know i do what i i started playing guitar like i said when i was 19 i was kind of awkward and shy and, and guitar really helped me to get through that like i event a, gr- a group of people where i might have been awkward and standing in the corner or something but you strum guitar and suddenly people want to be around you assuming you're playing something they've heard of it kind of broke the ice made it easier to be a little more boisterous and vocal and you know i'd sing but they'd sing along and then when you're done with the guitar they want to talk to you about it. and it was easier for me to kind of go from an introvert to a mild mildly extroverted personality uh using using the guitar to help me get through that and it also was i think a good way once again to practice grit or fortitude there are so many guitars that are in people's closets that have been tuned once strummed twice and then their fingers hurt and they got <laughs> it's something to stick with. You have to stick with it if you're going to get anything out of it. I also like songwriting. I've written several songs. Nothing that you're going to hear on the radio, I'm afraid. But uh, they're, they are on SoundCloud if you're if anyone's bored. <laughs> I, I've done songwriting uh, about a variety of things. I have, I have a song about biology that has 30,000 downloads on YouTube. Ah. I do a Louis Armstrong impression. <laughs> um, I bet you haven't had a Louis Armstrong impression on your podcast. Have, haven't had that. You know, like, I see trees of green just you. You know, that, that sort of a thing. Great, great. Uh, <laughs> and so I've written songs about biology. I've, uh, I've written a song about stoicism that I uh, performed on my uh, podcast that I got wrote it. And it was more of a way for me to internalize, reword some things and make them my own and then put them in a way that I could remember them. And, uh, I actually had several people email me like from Australia. Hey, can I get an MP3 of that song? There was, of course, those are like, dude, your singing's awful. Uh, it's like, yeah, thank you. <laughs> some critics, of course. And you know, music can be a great way to share a lot of stoic wisdom, as I've integrated music in my podcast, mentioning lyrics, songs that I found to be pretty inspirational. Yeah, you post quite a bit about that. Now, your genre tends to be the, uh, is it, would you classify it as metal or hard rock? Yeah, that's right. It's mostly metal, progressive rock, and within metal, that has its genres or subgenres too. Death, doom, melodic death, right? Black. Yeah, yeah. A lot of combination. 
of the themes and within death metal as you might expect it's a lot of thoughts on the human condition a lot of thoughts on grief how to process that how to deal with it how to get through some difficult times and how to have courage and fortitude so my my uh genre i guess is i grew up listening to classic rock so a lot of beatles and things like that and rock from the 70s and and i was not into country and i will still say i'm not into the country you hear on country radio mm-hmm. <laughs> playing guitar I, I kept getting requests for johnny cash and if you're learning to play guitar and you live anywhere where people know johnny cash it's three chords and, and a lot of people know the words and they'll and they'll sing along so here are a lot of snippets of stoic-esque wisdom in a lot of genres it's hard to pick a song that's entirely stoic off the top of my head but you always you get little snippets like you can't always get what you want by the rolling stones right <laughs> yeah 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 in the domain of folk uh, it's a band seller darling they have an album this is the sound i've used their lyrics in several songs and they've even noted inspiration from seneca in their music one of their songs hullabaloo was titled tears of a stoic was talking about a person they have here, once a pillar in the ground, my ceaseless gaze, endlessly the heavens wept, commence eternal flood, sorrow, dread, and fear, what did they do to me? I was a statue, stone called iron heart, they have bewitched me with love, hate, fear, tears, agony, and regret. So there's this moment of what happens, we've been going pretty well throughout life, and now how do we deal with that situation? Stoicism surely helps us identify those emotions and work through those struggles. Yeah, and having some of those ideas set to music, at least in my case, helps me to remember them. A song can get stuck in your head <laughs> and uh, help you to... It's kind of like those those stoic maxims that, that are handy to memorize. Uh, having something like that set to music can uh, help it to stick a little more thoroughly and be uh, ready at hand when you need it. Right. That was a question that I received from a listener. What are some helpful stoic mantras or mantras? Maybe those would be things that would be on your wall. I had the one all, all is well with the commander, right? So that, that was a... I have lost nothing. Uh, yeah, I have lost nothing. Yeah, still bow, right? Or still po, as you mentioned. Depending on who you talk talk to. I have a, an episode like that as well. I think it's called Stoic Maxims, but uh, they could find one that I did as well. I uh, have found several other things to be handy, but but then when called on the spot, I don't. I'm not. Uh, I'm not so well versed to just pull them out of thin air all the time. But there are there are a lot of excellent sayings, and then just some of the ideas, like remembering well, Socrates did not consider death to be an evil. You know, things like that that mm-hmm. that the Stoics would would pull from. Uh, I've been reading some of the, the the last days of Socrates, some of the, the writings by Plato, uh, to see what that's like, and. I'm, I've almost finished that, but then I get bogged down with 12 other projects. <laughs> right, it's it's another one here. It's a song called Leave No Trace from the band Anathema. They've had several style shifts throughout their albums, starting at the death and doom metal, more toward a progressive rock and more of an ambient sound. They have this song, Leave No Trace, that echoes themes of life being short, the shortness of life, right, from Seneca. Here and now we are gone in a heartbeat, a dream in the passage of time. Chances are fading. This world isn't waiting. The moment is passing you by. Yeah, and Seneca and Socrates both, uh, they were both pretty old for their era, I'd say, but they were both uh, had to end their lives more quickly than perhaps they would have liked. So they should know better than anyone uh, the importance of thinking about the shortness of life. (laughs) Yeah, to really value that before it comes to an end, to really live this fulfilled life and not have these regrets 
later in life, I didn't get to do this, I didn't get to do that, or oh, I, I wish this could have happened. I wish I had taken that opportunity. Yeah, I was an environmental consultant after college, working at Fort Knox, thinking I should go to grad school. If I don't go to grad school, I'll regret it. So I decided rather than make a lot of money because I was getting paid pretty well, I'd go to grad school and now I'm in the not quite so lucrative world of education. Uh, <laughs> I never go home and think what I'm doing doesn't have some value. Trying to live my life with as few regrets as possible has been something I often have thought about myself. So Right. And on that notion of regrets, it's interesting. I've had a listener question sent to me. Perhaps you can offer your take. Bonus. Here's, here's the listener. He writes, suppose you have a job that entails some set of critical actions that, if you were failed to complete, would result in a serious injury or death. Assume you were trained and expected never to make an error. Stoicism would say that the only thing under your control is that you do your best. But is that enough? I feel there is a higher standard in play that goes beyond just making an honest effort. I can't rule out the reality that anyone can make a mistake, no matter how trained and experienced, but such a fatal lapse in judgment would be unacceptable. Regret seems to be a reasonable emotion. How could I have done otherwise? Blame and guilt might be appropriate. Wow, this is a... Uh terrifying hypothetical situation ah. <laughs> it's kind of like the the train driving towards the bus of kids and the person on the bridge that you could shove off to stop trolley dilemmas yeah. huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, what do you do uh, from a stoic perspective all you can do is all you can do we already should know that to err is human i think it's just to deny the way that nature functions expect a human being not to make a mistake is to, de to deny the way that nature works and it is difficult to separate what you can expect versus how you feel about it so i could imagine someone saying crap the one millionth time that i was supposed to hit the enter key on my keyboard, I didn't, and then the building blew up or whatever the situation is. Now I, I'm so sad it didn't work out and make it, it's my fault that everyone's dead or whatever the situation is. But I thought about this actually, like if someone says, gives, puts you in that situation and says, you must do this or something terrible is going to happen. It's like, maybe I would just mess up the first time. <laughs> yeah, or just not participate in it, right? The, right. What, it's a, it's an Aurelius quote, something about don't enter any contest which you, which you can't experience success. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, I will not participate. Like, eventually I'm going to fail, so I'll just stop it right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking of maybe one of these really high stakes positions would be, oh, well, you're in a position involved with military intelligence, and mm -hmm. you have to make a decision. And then that decision ends up resulting in the deaths of civilians. Right. Like, it goes to something like us, one of those terrible Saw movies or something where it's like, yeah, yeah, repeatedly ad nauseum. And uh, and if you make, mess up, someone dies. It's like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, well, guess what? Someone's going to die because <laughs> I'm, I'm a human being and I'm going to mess this up. So luckily, I don't know if too many people find themselves in those situations. Now, in, your, in the case you mentioned, that may be more realistic and planning out an operation and trying to make sure that target is not a school or whatever. <laughs> uh, right. At least, you know, you're 98% sure and Hopefully, uh, you're not the this the building you're targeting is not the two percent chance that it's it's the the wrong building. So consequences in life, and uh, yeah, I guess the, and and there's not always a clean, clear answer to every question. And and my rattling on about this one should bring that point home. <laughs> Very good, and it, it was really nice to talk. Questions in the script we didn't get to, so it was a great opportunity to chat with you. Well, it was great to talk to you. I uh, enjoy your podcast, and uh, I don't get to listen to 
all the stoic content providers, but I do listen in just to uh, see what's going on. And I try not to listen to everyone too much because I don't want to accidentally think I had a great idea then copy them or something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks a lot. And for your time today, where can people find you? How can they contact you with questions? Well, you can email me at sundaystoic at gmail.com. You can get a hold of me on Facebook. Uh, my username Sunday Stoic or Twitter at Sunday Stoic. Well, we'll play it out here with some exit music and some more information for our listeners. Thanks for your time today. Hey, great talking with you. Auf Wiedersehen. Visit my website at StoicSolutionsPodcast.com where you can connect with me on social media, find past episodes on many podcast platforms, and join my Discord chat server for interactive discussion. Support my work by becoming a donor through Patreon or PayPal to access special rewards, including the ability to have upcoming guests answer your questions, custom podcast episodes, and personalized one-on-one discussions. Share, comment, like, subscribe, and leave reviews to help support my efforts. Email me with your thoughts, justinvacula at gmail.com. Podcast music, used with permission, is brought to you by Phil Giordana's symphonic metal group Fairyland, from their album, Score to a New Beginning. Audio edits are brought to you by John Bartman. Have a great day.